Welcome to The Ropes. I am Rafe Bartholomew, the Bobby Lupo to Brian Campbell's Gino Felino. Together we are out for boxing justice. Uh, we have a great show today. Two really exciting guests. Uh, junior welterweight contender Chris Algieri is going to join us to talk Mayweather Pacquiao and his career, everything that's going on, avocados. Uh, and... Uh, 2013 Trainer of the Year, Robert Garcia, is going to join us also to break down Mayweather-Pacquiao and talk about his upcoming fights. Uh, We're going to preview this weekend's Showtime fights. But first, let's talk about someone who's been doing his own Rocky IV imitation, Floyd Mayweather. Rafe, I'm fired up for this. Uh, We are 40 days out to Mayweather-Pacquiao, You know what that, that means? 40 more nights to dream of Manny Pacquiao... Just catching Floyd Mayweather with that, that Ricky Hatton left, and boom, out. Or 40 more days for, to imagine Floyd Mayweather catching Manny Pacquiao with that Ricky Hatton check left hook, and boom, Manny goes face first into the corner. Either way, you're winning. Bro stash, I am so fired up. I will say, though, that you know a lot of the antics and the buildup so far has been pretty lame. I'm fired up just in general, but a lot of these things, these little mini storylines that have been popping up here and there related to this fight haven't been so grand, you know, and the since we've last met, we've got a few things to discuss quickly. The whole drug testing story, what are you making of this? The the $5 million penalty, the battle between Pacquiao advisor Michael Kant and and Floyd uh Floyd goateed friend <laughs> Uh, where we go? Where, what is uh, the CEO of Mayweather Promotions, Leonard Ellerby? Where are you down on? We're getting down on this. I don't think what's going on. Well, my, my goateed friend, let me just back up and explain the situation a little bit. This week, news broke that uh, Floyd Mayweather supposedly uh, didn't, you know, turned down uh, a clause that the Pacquiao camp wanted to add to their contract about uh, adding a five million dollar penalty if either fighter. Uh, tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, And, you know, yeah, this is pretty dumb. Uh, Don't worry, anyone. The fight is still on. It's not going... You know, this is not going to kill it. And it was... To me, it just reads like a a publicity grab by... Probably orchestrated by Michael Kahn's, the Manny Pacquiao advisor who sometimes advises well and sometimes doesn't advise well. Um, I'm going to call it clickbait. It was clickbait to try to get you in there, but to try to maybe turn your uh, turn some negativity toward Floyd, who really hasn't done anything wrong in this buildup yet. You know, it was a really it was a strange story to me because actually at the media Q&A before the Mayweather Pacquiao press conference a couple, what, two weeks ago now. They Bob Arum talked about this specific uh, thing that they tried to add to the contracts and dismissed it out hand. So I, to me, this was settled two weeks ago when Arum said, "Look, the reason this this was this never went in. They didn't decline it here." And this is Bob Arum, Manny Pacquiao's promoter, sort of almost going out of his way, bending over backwards to defend Mayweather and his camp's position on this clause. And they said it wasn't part of the contract we des- we decided on, and so. You know, we decided so they didn't add it after the fact. And he added that the reason that they didn't add a clause like that is because both sides, Mayweather's side and Pacquiao's side, say, look, if that guy if that guy tests positive, I'm gonna get way more than five million out of him. I'm gonna get ten million or fifteen million. 
Yeah, it's all just a bunch of waste of our time. And I love that Aram almost pro wrestling style, like you mentioned, came to Mayweather's defense. It's all bizarre. It all means nothing. Let's get to more important storylines that actually matter, like Floyd Mayweather Jr. posting Instagram videos of him chopping wood in front of his Las Vegas mansion, Rocky Four style. Get down with that. Look, I, I've seen guys chop wood before. I mean, Antonio Margarito chopped wood before. Who Was that before he fought Manny? It didn't work out so well for him. Uh you know, chopping wood—it's—it's it's sort of a first step. But if you really—if he really wants to impress me with Rocky Four stuff, then I want to see Floyd running up like these—these, these, you know, sort of spines of mountains, and you know, with pulling. And jeans I want to see him pulling Leonard Ellerby and the whole Money Team in like a wooden push cart, like a rickshaw, like <laughs> Floyd rickshaw. That would get my blood flowing. Look. Here's my thing about this. Floyd doesn't post anything unless it has meaning, right? You know, there's always some – there's always a, a reason why he posts anything. So, you know, he looked a little bit ripped there in the arms. He's chopping down wood. It's all certainly manly, but it has to be for a reason in my mind. What impression, what image is he trying to portray? Is he trying to show that – he plans to be a power puncher in this fight. I mean, we know that there's been a lot of talk that, you know, he's got Alex Ariza in his team. Some people are rumoring that he's got Memo Heredia in his team, that he's really looking maybe to become a puncher in this. I think that's somewhat, though, contrary to the belief because, you know, he's not the same counter puncher in the sense that, like, a Juan Manuel Marquez is, who was the last guy really to have success, you know, sustained success against Pacquiao. He's not the sit down and take two or three to give you one back. But do you think this might be him? trying to plant some sort of message in Manny's mind? I, I see that, yes, and that's probably what he's doing. But I, Manny Pacquiao, I just don't think he pays any attention to that stuff. I mean, he, you know, he's in his own world. He's surrounded by, like, 100 family and friends, half of whom are rubbing his legs at all times. <laughs> like, there's just, you know, th- like, nothing really penetrates his world. He's just, he's... You know, call it what you want, but he sort of has entered this uh, this zen Sometimes that is very. <laughs> when we talk. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to enough power ballads, uh, you know, your mind just goes to a better place. Uh, let it go. You know, can't hold me back anymore. I, I can't deal with Manny singing anymore. Uh, but yeah, who, you're right. Whoever's running Manny's Twitter account definitely saw that at the very least. We know Manny didn't. But moving on in Mayweather Pacquiao, uh, almost nonsense topics here. <laughs> <laughs> Our guy Tim Tebow showing up at the wild card gym posing for photos with Manny. Look, Your take, Rafe. Brothers in Christ. I mean, it's that Filipino simple. brothers too. It's Let's true. Get I that mean, right. it's true. One sort of the big thing of the one of the big moments in the Tim Tebow origin story is that he was born in the Philippines uh, to when his mother uh, got news that it was going to be a very dangerous pregnancy and and supposedly was even advised not to continue with the pregnancy, although that is very, very unlikely, in my opinion, for that to happen in the Philippines, where Ooh, you got inside Filipino knowledge, on abortion is outright illegal for anyone in the Philippines. It is the one of the most Catholic nations in the country. So the idea that she went to a doctor in the Philippines who who advised her not to have a baby is just uh, is very hard to get your head around. But well, I, this is know, like knows? an Obama birth certificate type no, of rumor. I, I, I am a, a, I'm a Tim Tebow birther. What can I say? Well, come on, um, come on. You can't do, you can't hurt Tebow like look, that's my dude. Look. You want to know my take though? Why, why this is happening? Hmm. You know, some people. It, what is it? Just a photo op? Just Tebow having to be walking by? No, this is a this is a a, a a planned moment from Tim Tebow. You want to know why? Because he's had just about enough of Manny's mom's black magic, and if he's gonna <laughs> and if he's gonna think about one way to infiltrate that and sort of make that correct, it might be you know going through Manny to get there. I applaud him completely. 
Hey, I you know don't knock the Tebow hustle. It has worked uh, in it's got him much farther than a lot of people thought he would get over the years. And actually, Tebow is opening a hospital uh, in the southern Philippines, not too far from Manny, Manny Pacquiao's home province, uh, on May first, the day before the fight. I thought it was cool. I mean, to, you know, Tebow's a great guy. He's our colleague. He's polarizing. I'm on the side that he's a great dude. I like to see this. I like to see that you know Manny opens the door to so many celebrities to come in. You know, you hear stories that that Roach has to kick a lot of them out. But, you know, that Floyd does it all in secrecy, though. It's almost there is some sort of that uh, the Rocky foreplay in there. It's just it's a contrast in how they do things. But I think we can agree the buildup so far hasn't given us much to work with. Hopefully the fight itself will be different. And that's why rather than just sort of spinning stuff out of thin air with Tim Tebow, Rocky Four, meaningless drug testing stories, we'd rather just talk to some people who really know what's going on in boxing and can, can give us some good insight in the fight. So let's just go right ahead, call up Chris Alger. Get him on the phone and and start talking about everything from you know you name it. Many Pacquiao avocados. What do you want to hear about? I want to hear about those those days in Vegas. You think he'll tell us about those? I have no clue. Brian, I'm really excited to welcome to the ropes uh, Chris Algieri to talk to us a little bit about Mayweather Pacquiao, uh, his fight last November against Manny Pacquiao, and what's going on in his career um, as Many of us know, uh, and in case you don't know, uh, Chris Algieri is a former WBO junior welterweight champ. Uh, he never lost that belt. Uh, he's got a 20-1 record, and he's the last man to share the ring with Manny Pacquiao. So, uh, Chris, welcome. Thank you very much for being here. And, uh, Brian, take it away. Chris, uh, again, echo what he's saying. Thanks for being here. We, you know, we obviously wanted to get your perspective, having just been in there with Manny. But first, I want to ask you this. How do you even begin to sum up what the last six to nine months of your life has been like? You know, from the exhausting media tour leading up to that pay-per-view in Miguel against, against Manny Pacquiao, and then also dealing with that newfound celebrity. What's that whole been like for you? I mean, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's definitely my first pleasure to be here. Glad to share some insight. Um but yeah, no, you're absolutely right, uh, Brian. These past nine months have been um, an incredible ride. You know, that's really what it's been. It's been a ride. You know, so um, it went rather fast. It's kind of like a roller coaster out of control. You know, the, this past year, it's the kind of thing that I expected to happen at some point. I just didn't expect it to happen. You know, so abruptly. You know, but um, at the same time, it was it was an awesome experience. I learned a tremendous amount uh, about myself um, and about the sport of boxing. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, to take my newfound experiences and, uh, and knowledge about the sport into uh, 2015. Well, i, I got to give you credit, Chris, because I've never seen a, a fighter so willing, so able to step, to, to make the leap, not not from a fighting sense. I'm just talking about from a, from a brand marketing, I'm ready to be here sense, to step into what, what you did as, as the second fighter in this giant pay-per-view, to be willing to do all the media requests, to look so confident in doing it. It was almost like you were you were made for that moment. You know, it's one of those things that you think about. Uh, maybe a lot of guys didn't, but I, I mean, I, I just I thought about it, for, you know, for so long ever since I was a kid. Just you know that that opportunity and that moment, and um, and just trying to capitalize on, on everything. My my whole idea during the press tour and during everything leading up to the fight was to win everything. I wanted to win every every press conference. I wanted to win every media event. I wanted to, you know, that's just my mindset, and that was the way that. Um, you know, I was thinking going into all that. I wish I had won the fight, but you know, <laughs> best plans don't always work. You know, but um, you know, it was it was it was like I said, it was a great experience, and 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 for me, I was just trying to seize the moment. 
Definitely. I mean, you ended up losing that fight, of course, by unanimous decision to Manny. Went the distance with him. It also, the fight, Chris, we got to be honest, it brought out the haters on Twitter. Everyone referencing this, get, I'm, I still got him in the cage uh, quote from your, from your trainer, Tim Lane. How did you yeah. deal with that and sort of all the ridiculousness that came with, you know, the, the whole Twitter world? Do you follow that closely or, do, or is it easy to brush off? Oh, it's it's easy to brush off. You know, if if, if you're um, at this level, you've got to be able to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, simple as that. If if you can't, then you're really not you're not built for this level. You're not built for 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 this game. Um, you know, when you have haters, it's kind of like, all right, well, I made it. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of how it goes. So for me, um, dealing with all that stuff, it's it's ridiculous. And 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 whoever who it comes from is important too. It's like, it's, who are you? It's, a, it's it's no big deal. Um, it's just one of those things. You know, hate me today, love me tomorrow. Love me today, hate me tomorrow. It, it, that's just the way that that the media, you know, portrays athletes, especially when you're in the public eye. So, um, no big deal for me. You know, I'm going to keep doing what I do and, and and get back to my winning ways. All right, Chris, I'm going to get into uh, Mayweather Pacquiao a little bit here, uh, and and just start sort of going back into your fight with Manny mm-hmm. uh, last November. Um, you know, you, you're, I think it's fair to call you a, a pure boxer in style. I mean, you, you know, hit and don't get hit. And master boxer. Ma- well, I did watch 24 seven master boxer. It is. <laughs> um, what were some of the difficulties you faced trying to outbox Pacquiao? You know, I expected Manny to be, um, a little more reckless, like maybe he had been in, in, in past fights, you know, mm-hmm. uh, most notably in, in the Marquez, um, fights, you know, all, all of them really. Right. Um, I think he's he's really improved as a fighter. Um, you know, an, an old dog can learn new tricks. You know, he um, he showed a lot of poise in, in the fight with me, um, but he still looked like he had the fire of old. You know, after after the Marquez fight, those two fights, he, he didn't look quite like himself. He looked a little off. Um, you know, uh, more composed, but still not having that fire. But w- in my fight, it looked like that he um, was really prepared, was in great shape again. And, um, you know, it kind of was able to mesh his, his furious style with, with, with being a smarter, more composed, you know, boxer. That's funny because so many people, especially after he got knocked out in 2012, they said, oh, a fighter, you know, never recovers from a knockout like that, never comes back, takes 10 years or whatever. But it sounds almost like from your experience in the ring with him, you think he might have actually improved as a fighter because of that. I mean, he looks sharper than ever. Yeah. You know, he's um, uh, he, he showed a lot of things that I, that really I, I or myself or my team did not expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the hand speed, the power, the punching power. You know, those are those are all expected. But um, his timing um, and and his rhythm and you know, of course, his awkward punching, which you really can't prepare for. Um, but he's got this amazing ability to still generate power without having his feet set, mm-hmm. um, you know, which makes him a dangerous opponent for everybody, anybody. And, and it's just why he, I think one of the reasons that he's um, been such a dominant champion in the past. So Mayweather is, is also, you know, pro- arguably or not even much of an argument, the, the best sort of pure boxer out there, maybe of his generation. Mm-hmm. Um, how, you know... How do you think uh, he'll be able to contain sort of those aspects of Pacquiao's game, or, or will it be a problem for man for for Floyd? Um, I, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've always thought that Floyd would would beat Pacquiao. Um, you know, and after being in the ring, I, I, Pacquiao is better than I expected, but I still, just stylistically, I still see Floyd winning this fight. Um, there are certain things, just just it's just the way the styles match up. I'm not saying that. You know, Floyd is, is a greater fighter compared to what Manny Pacquiao is or has done. But this is boxing, and it's about styles. You know, and styles make fights. 
for me, I just I personally see that Floyd's style um, is 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 right to to beat Pacquiao. Anything specific about his style that that you know sticks out to you? Well, Floyd doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Pacquiao still does. You know, even in the fight with me, there there are opportunities there to, to capitalize on certain things. He makes up for it oftentimes with his explosiveness, his tenacity, um, you know, his punching power and speed. But um, those things, I don't see those overwhelming Floyd. You know, he's um, he's he's got an eye for seeing perfect times for counters. Um, his defense is, is super tight, as we all know. But um, but but you never know because Floyd in his last outings hasn't looked you know quite like the Floyd of old and. You never know. A fighter gets old overnight. And if Floyd got old overnight um, on May 2nd, I-, I could see Pacquiao winning that fight for sure. Well, Chris, my platform for, for believing that this would be a close fight when so many people, and, and myself a few years ago was on that bandwagon too, thinking that Floyd's defense would always overcome Manny's offense. But my platform for believing now that it's closer is I just don't think Floyd has faced anyone with that combination of speed, power, and sort of the awkwardness like you mentioned. So I wanted you to get into it a little deeper. How difficult is it? Is it Manny disguising his punches with those awkward angles? You know what What is it like? Is it sort of you get hit and not even see it coming, that type of thing? I think that it's not Floyd's defense that's going to utilize, uh, present all the problems. It's going to be his counterpunch. I think that's where it's really going to be. I, I think if Floyd were to stand in front of him and try and shoulder roll defense, he's going to get hit. Um, Pacquiao's punches come from very strange angles. Um, uh, it's not so much that you can't see them, it's just you don't expect them to be coming from that angle I mean, be, and still be able to generate power. Because sometimes you're in a position where a guy, you know a guy can't hit hard with that hand, and so it's less of a, less of a danger. Um, Pacquiao's not that guy. He's dangerous with, from, from positions where you wouldn't think he would, he would be. So I think if Floyd stands there and tries to pick shots off, uh, maybe speed and, and, and punching variation will present a lot of problems. But I don't think it's going to get to that. I think that Floyd's ability to counterpunch from the outside is going to be the difference. Well, Chris, let me ask you this question. When you point to someone who's had success against Pacquiao, you would you would automatically say it was Marquez, the way as a counterpuncher he punches with Manny. We know that Floyd isn't necessarily that same type of counterpuncher. So do you mm-hmm. think how do you think that plays into how we may see this fight play out? Um Marquez for one, I mean part of the part of the, the you know, the the issue that he gives Pacquiao, they fought four times. You know, they've been in the mm-hmm. ring for almost forty rounds now or something like that, or even more than that. So, um, you know, you're going to figure, figure certain aspects about a guy's game, you know, as, as you go throughout, you know, throughout fights like that. Um, but, you know, Floyd isn't necessarily going to be trading with Pacquiao in the middle, kind of like how Marquez was there. But Marquez is also there to get hit. And he got hit quite a bit every time he fought Pacquiao. It was sure. never a fight where he came out on skate. He was dropped multiple times, um, cuts, broken noses, um, wobbled, you know, throughout all the fights. And it's in the fourth fight, as well, you know, in the fight that he won't score by the, the knockout. Um, I just don't see Floyd standing there to trade and get hit with him. Um, I see Floyd using his, his superior length um, coupled with his speed to, um, to be able to counterpunch effectively from the outside. No doubt, no doubt. I, I'm one really curious about one thing. If you had a chance to do it over, what would you have changed about your approach? And maybe, you know, who knows, maybe you will, but how would you have changed your approach on that night? Oh man, I've been dreaming about that. <laughs> I had that opportunity. I tell you the truth, I would have been um, much more aggressive and much more offensive. I think that um, I think that if I would have come out and put some more pressure, uh, especially you know in in the beginning and in, in the middle rounds, which was kind of always how I thought about it in my mind before training camp that I was going to use my my uh, my younger body and, and and my bigger size to kind of uh, push the pace and push the action. Um, 
you know, my defense early was good. I, I wish I just would have capitalized more on using uh, more of my offense. Chris, um, I want to sort of, uh, looking back at the year Pacquiao had last year, you know, first fighting Tim Bradley in April and then fighting you in November, I wonder if uh, the his sort of those fights in a way can prepare him or, or help him get ready for the next fight against Floyd Mayweather. Obviously, there's, you know, I mean, none of, none of you are all the same. They're all very right. different. But, you know, I mean... Both you and Bradley are excellent defensive fighters. You know, Bradley, mm. is, you know, there are differences, of course. But I guess, you know, sort of is are these almost like stepping stones getting him ready to, to face uh, a, a sort of a, a master boxer? You know, that's, that's a great point. I, um, I I actually didn't think of it like that. But um, to tell you the truth, I, you know, I think you're right. I think it is a good um, step up towards, towards the Mayweather fight. Um, you know, he's got guys with good reflexes and, and, and good jabs and counter punches and He's able to, you know, get 24 rounds in with, with, with guys like that. Like you said, neither one of us are, are Floyd, um, and, you know, not even a combination of us is, is, is exactly like Floyd, but it could it could help um, in, in, in preparation. You know, at this point, though, it's going to come a lot to, uh, to, you know, his sparring partners and the kind of guys that he can get to um, to bring into camp and to, to get try and match that, that Floyd Mayweather style, which is difficult. Speaking of sparring partners, do you? I mean, like there there have been these rumors in the past couple of weeks that that the Mayweather camp has been paying potential sparring partners not to spar with Pacquiao. Does that have you heard of stuff like that hap- going down before? I mean, is that is that sort of just part of the game, or or you, th- you think it's all just kind of BS anyway? I mean, it's not to my knowledge that you know um, have I experienced anything like that. Is it you know out of the realm of, of possibility? No, you know nothing is. But um, I, I'd be surprised at that. You know, I think uh, I think these guys are all competitors, and they're just looking to you know uh, go out there and prepare the best and, and, and win. Actually, if you were going to fight uh, Mayweather, what kind of who? What kind of sparring partners would you look for? Are there particular names or styles or what? What kind? Who would you want in the gym with you? You know, I would. Um, the thing about Floyd is, you know, his great endurance, obviously, um, coupled with his with his great uh, boxing ability. There's a lot of guys out there who can box really well and are very sharp. But, but maintaining that is very difficult to do. Floyd's able to do it for 12 rounds, 12 five-minute rounds. You know, like mm-hmm. he's, he, he's exceptional in that way. Um, but there are guys out there um, that, are, that are super sharp. They just don't necessarily keep it up like Floyd. Think of a guy like uh, Zab Judah, who yeah. is incredible for three, four rounds. You know, um, but it's, it's those, other, those later rounds. Even he gave Floyd fits uh, for those first couple rounds. Sure. So using guys, I, I like East Coast style of boxing for, for that, you know, that, that sharp, Counterpunching style, um, using long jabs, counterpunching from the outside, um, not getting hit, hitting without getting hit. So I would think u- utilizing a lot of um, a lot of guys like that and just rotating them often would be important to keep them fresh and sharp. Chris, a big storyline. A lot of people when they when they talk about Pacquiao's chances, you know, they always go back to well. You know, they question whether he has that same killer instinct that he had five years ago. A lot, of, some people even go as far as say, you know, is he the same puncher as he was? You know, who's walking through Hat and Cotto, De La Hoya, etc. You've gotten mm-hmm. up from shots from Pacquiao. You've gotten up from shots from Provodnikov. I know you've sparred at length with Marcos Maidana in the past. Do you think mm-hmm. Manny has enough power in this matchup to potentially force Floyd out of his game plan? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I am a proponent of if a guy can hit you, he can hurt you. If he can hurt you, he can get you out of there. Um, and maybe not necessarily get you out of there in terms of getting you out of the ring, but getting you out of your game plan. So, um, you know, uh, Pacquiao does have that ability to, to, to clip Floyd and, and, and maybe change, you know, him up a little bit. But Floyd's been there. 
Floyd's been in with big punchers. Floyd's been hit before. People forget that Floyd actually has a good chin. So, um, you know, we'll see how he'll react to the punches. But, um, you know, both these guys have so much experience, you know, and, and they've, they've been there. They've seen it all. They haven't seen each other, so it's, that's what makes it a very interesting fight. Um, but, you know, in terms of, uh, um, I, don't, I don't think, you know, Pacquiao is, is losing or has lost his killer instinct. I think he just fights a smarter fight. Um, he's not as reckless. He doesn't get hit as, as often as he used to. Um, and when it's like a home run, you know, a home run hitter in baseball, the guy who hits the most home runs also has the most strikeouts. So the guys with more knockouts get hit more, you know. So now Pacquiao, who is not getting hit as much as he was, isn't scoring as many knockouts as he was. As you know, as who Floyd, I don't think Floyd's a, a light puncher. I just don't. I just don't think he puts himself out there um, in exchanges to, to to score as many knockouts as maybe he did earlier in his career. Great, great points. I think all of your points sort of add up to what I've been thinking all along. I think we're headed to a close decision. I think we're headed to a contentious decision. I mean, whether you I favor hope so. Go ahead. I hope it's a great fight. You know, I hope I mean there's gonna be a lot of eyes on it. This is this is great for the sport of boxing. It's gonna bring a lot of attention. Um, you know, I, I hope it lives up to be a great fight. You know, one thing you mentioned, Chris, was really interesting. You talked about, you know, how, how Manny is a less reckless fighter now. But if you look back to the two fights Mayweather had with Maidana last year, a lot of people sort of saw Maidana's recklessness uh, as, mm-hmm. a, as a plus, as sort of the, his best asset going in, in, in those fights, uh, you know, in retrospect. Uh, and so does... You know, would it would it be smart for for Manny to throw a little bit of caution to the wind, or was sort were sort of Maidana's uh, maybe his size advantage that that he, that Manny won't have, or just sort of his chin, perhaps we don't know. Uh, should Manny sort of do you would you, do you think Manny would do better as the uh, as the more well rounded fighter you've seen in the ring, or the Manny of old? Great points, very very good points about Maidana. Um, if you notice, like you said, Maidana he fought reckless in the first fight had more success than in the second fight when he fought a little more composed. Um, it's, it's tough to fight a composed fight against Mayweather, who's, you know, who, who wants a fight to be slowed down, who wants that composure. He'll so always he can out-compose pick you. you, yeah. Right, exactly. He's, he, he's the master of, of, of a composed boxing match. So, um, you know, I, I do think it gives uh, Pacquiao more chances if he goes out there and gets kind of reckless again. Um, but it also gives him more chances to get hurt and to um, even get stopped, which can happen. It's, it's happened before. Um, you know, uh, I believe Mayweather is the bigger man uh, in there. And, you know, couple that with, with speed and precise punching, you never know what can happen. Chris, I hear a lot of people talk about now, you know, what could be next for you. But before we get to what could be next in the ring, a lot of people are talking about what's next for you right away. Did you move out of the basement? That's what they want to know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've moved on. Um, I'm actually, uh, I've got a, uh, looking down in Florida for some, some places, um, you know, but uh, I'm looking my snowboard at snowbird it. I'm, I'm done with these New York winters. It's oh, cold. dude, how brutal. You're, that's the, how you're, brutal. you're moving the timetable way ahead, man. I mean, that's usually you wait until you hit your 50s or 60s for that. Hey, Florida's changed a lot. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not for old folks down there anymore. It's, it's that weather, you can't you can't beat it. You can't beat it for life. You can't beat it for training, so it's uh, it's definitely a good move. Yeah, and the no. last two winners in uh, in the Northeast have not been so sweet. Oh, th- that's worse than yeah. a Provodnikov punch. These are some <laughs> brutal winners, Chris. Come on, can you I agree. You know, <laughs> I agree on that, man. Because I said last year that that last New York winter was that was that was all I wanted. You know, I'm done with that. So staying warm now. All right, so so actually looking about uh, what's next in your career, um, you know, how soon do you hope to be back in the ring? Uh, you know, who would you like to fight? 
I was hoping to be back in the ring already. Um, I didn't really skip a beat in terms of training. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, in, in, the, in, in the politics and the business side of, of the boxing world, it, you know, things take time, especially as you get to the higher levels. But I have some very exciting news that I'm not going to present just yet. I can't. Um, oh, break it know, right here, Chris. Break <laughs> the story. I can't do it yet, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm I got three avocados but... that say you will. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, got some, some some big news coming up in terms of uh, of my next fight. Um, we're looking to come back in, in in the next couple months, and also as a as a new addition to to Team Algeria, so which is uh, another another big move that I'm excited about. Wow, Mimo Heredia, he's coming. Uh, he Mim- we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. I, it, it'll be out. It'll be out soon. Don't worry. Um, well, one thing I want to throw out there is a, a sort of a brewing, a, a sort of brewing rivalry that that may have planted some seeds back during the lead up to the Pacquiao, your Pacquiao fight, uh, is Tim Bradley. I mean, you know, he obviously, or at least in videos, seemed to take some offense to when you compared yourself to him in speed, and uh, you know, you guys are in and around the same weight class. Uh, would you know? If it's not the next fight, do you do you hope to get a chance to sort of you know show him your speed and see his speed uh, down the line? I'm not sure where exactly that rivalry came from. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. People ask me like, "Do you see something to Tim Bradley?" I was like, <laughs> "Not no, <laughs> not that I know of." But um, that is what it is. You know, he, he, he was offended somehow. But whatever. But in terms of fighting him, I think that'd be an awesome fight. I've uh, I've seen that fight in in my mind for for years now. Um, you know, he, he's a great champion and I think stylistically, I think that'd be a good fight. And, uh, sure. You know, if we got a little, uh, bad blood in there, why not mix it in there and make it a little more exciting? Chris, sometimes I like to speak for the, the pulse of the average Twitter boxing fan. And when you were getting ready for that Pacquiao fight, you were doing your residency at the, uh, Vegas Venetian there with our, with our good buddy, uh, Kevin Rooney Jr. From all the mm-hmm. pictures that were being posted, I know you're preparing for a very serious fight, but this looked like the greatest gig ever. Sitting by the pool, there's probably, you know, I always assume there's a, uh, pina colada machine in the background, music playing, maybe going to the club at night. You gotta have some inside stories. I mean, there's probably chicks by the dozen. What was going on there? It, <laughs> it was. It's funny you, you bring up Kevin Rooney, but he, he brings up about um, you know everyone makes the the you know the comparison to, to Rocky, you know, in the second Rocky when he was training in the casino and he fights uh, Clubber Lang and you know he, he, he's not focused and he loses and but then he came back. He came back. He got a new trainer. Came out and and, and became you know the the great the great Rocky. So he he, he likes to to make that joke that all right now it's time we just gotta. <laughs> Kind of get raw again and come back and even better and, and, and really, uh, you know, pulls out the rest of this, this, this chapter and the story. Well, it looked like you had a fun time indeed. And uh, we have had a fun time having you on the rope. So, Chris, we thank you so much for joining us. We wish you a lot of luck. We can't wait to hear this announcement coming up soon about your return. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad I could give you guys some insight. hope it helps. And, uh, yeah, you know, stay tuned. Team Algeria is, is coming back strong this year. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks, guys. Okay, so before we talk to Robert Garcia about training fighters to go against both Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, we want to take a quick break and introduce yet another list because we love the fight game style lists here. We we have the Judah list, but this is going to be what we call the Dang list. And the Dang, dang li- yeah, Dang. No, not Dang like that, but Dang as in Johnny Dang, as in TV Johnny. <laughs> at uh, TV Johnny, please. At, at TV Johnny on Instagram, a, uh, a prominent figure in the boxing, not a boxer, but a prominent figure in the boxing and hip-hop worlds. 
Johnny Dang, at TV Johnny, is a jeweler in the Houston area known for making very extravagant grills. And by extravagant, you mean absurdly ridiculous grills. I mean, this guy's the boxing's Jacob the jeweler. This guy's the best. He is great. And uh, if, you, if you are a boxing fan who's been looking at uh, Instagram feeds of boxers you like, especially guys like Floyd Mayweather or Danny Garcia, Adrian Broner, and you wonder, you see sometimes out, they're out in the club and they all have, you know, guys are wearing their chains and they have their, their grills in their teeth. Their teeth are shining. They're iced up. And then you see off to the side, there's a, a short Vietnamese man. Well, that's Johnny Dang. That's TV Johnny. So we're naming this list of the pound for pound best boxers to follow on Instagram after TV Johnny. So I got to give Dang you credit, Rafe. I got to give you credit for this. You turned me on originally to the idea of, of, of Instagram and following fighters. I had been a low-level Instagram user. You turned me on to our guy, Sergey Kovalev. I was blown away. What I'm finding out, Instagram is sort of this like... Uh, on on ruined place like this island in the social media sphere that really hasn't been ruined by aunts, moms, and grandmas where people can just post things and sort of it's cool and boxers sort of seem to post things that they don't necessarily always post on the other channels and you see a pretty interesting side of their personality. Uh, there's a level of goofiness on Instagram that you don't get to see anywhere else and I, I'm kind of a big fan of it. I mean, uh, Kovalev is is one guy, you know, who honestly, I, I took a look back at his, uh, at his feed and I think Kovalev is starting to slip a little. I mean, you go way back into the early days of Kovalev Instagram, and Sergey was posting pictures of uh, him holding puppies, uh, just doing all kinds of really him holding silly assault things. rifles, right. him on helicopters, hanging out I mean, with Steven Seagal, the god. Look, if there was anyone's Instagram account that ever looked like it came off the set of Commando, it was Sergey Kovalev. <laughs> so anyway, we're not going to unveil the dang list yet. But we're going to throw out some nominations and ask the listeners to tweet at us, get email us. If you happen to have our email, I'll give you Brian Campbell's email if you just get at me on Instagram. Uh, and uh, and and use you know, sort of crowdsource this list. It's hashtag Danglist, D-A-N-G-L-I-S-T. Well, the, the, the reason why I, I sort of wanted this list to come into agreement is because you turned me on to the idea of this guy, TV Johnny. Once I started following him on Instagram – Whoa, this thing is like unintentional comedy to the highest. <laughs> and then I'm rewatching uh, Mayweather Maidana 1 earlier today, and I'm like, who's that little guy in the third row sitting next to Danny Garcia? Oh, TV Johnny! This guy's well connected. He's like a little boxing hip hop zealot, you know, for those who watch the like the Woody Allen movies. He just p appears everywhere. He's he's got boxing royalty in his future. Follow him on Instagram at TV Johnny. But this was an inspiration for us to sort of start this list to recognize these guys who are posting these these funny behind the scenes ridiculous videos and pictures. I think we, you and I should throw out a few nominations each. Let the fans bounce it back like we thought. Rafe, why don't you kick us All off? All right, my number one pick. Number one pick, if I'm drafting, has to be Ruslan Siberian Rocky Provodnikov. He he laid a gem on us this week when he was hanging out with Sylvester Stallone, uh, just you know having having a grand old time. The real Rocky or whatever, the Rocky Balboa and the Siberian Rocky together. But, I mean, that's really just scratching the surface. He, he's, picked, he's posted pictures of the, his moose liver diet over the years. <laughs> he does his just just the, just the image of, of Provodnikov uh, doing the, uh, the, the sort of flex when he's screaming and has, like, the maniac face on. Uh, that alone is, is a pretty hot Instagram pop. If you're a fan of Mickey Rourke's leather face, you should definitely follow <laughs> Ruslan's Instagram account. Come on. I How think could we I gotta, forget? 
We got to stay Eastern Europe here. We got Kovalev. We got Ruslan. Our guy, Vasil Lomachenko. That's a hot follow, too, because you get action shots. He's water skiing. He's riding mini motorcycles around. He's got rifles on the shooting range. He's dressing this guy's up as Ninja action. Turtles. His, you know, his, his Instagram is like the Arturo Gotti version of the Instagram account. I mean, it's all action. Ninja Turtles, he's dressing up in the masks all the time. That's a big time follow. He's, you know, he might have a case for, for number one pound for pound. He's going to make a run here. Let's see I what mean, the fans he, He's say. one fighter who could be, he has a case, who may someday have a case for number one pound for pound fighter in the world, as well as number one pound for pound on Instagram. Um, the dangless dude. Yeah, uh, I, I know which one he wants more. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, all right, I want to, I want to, you know, sort of reclaim this for America. I mean, I feel like I, I love these Russian fighters and 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 Ukrainian fighters, but you know, this is we're we're in the USA right now. So let's let's look at my guy from Brooklyn, from New York. I'm from New York too. Um, Curtis Stevens, Curtis Showtime Stevens. This guy, oh. what a cat! Like. Uh, you almost can see his career going downhill on Instagram, unfortunately, because he's just having too much fun. Everywhere he goes, he's just opening a bottle of like Pinot. He and- had like a two month vacation. That was pretty like and all around like the Caribbean. It was like a different island every two days. That was a wild ride to watch. Yeah, I mean, he should. You could argue that he he would be better served uh, spending time in the gym and developing his career as a uh, as a middleweight contender. But you know, I mean, to each his own. To each his own, indeed. But there's a lot of mandals. Hashtag mandals. You know, he, he's not afraid to to, to dress elaborately, uh, flamboyantly. And we know it gets our guy James Bag Jr. going on Twitter. <laughs> a lot to work with, though. There with uh, with our guy Curtis Stevens' Instagram account. As is another guy, Canadian middleweight David Lemieux, the pound for pound best hair in the whole sport. What a hunk. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, you get a lot of family pictures. Maybe it's not the aggressive, over-the-top commando movie-like set follow, but you get a lot of hunky pictures with with some great hair. So I'm going to throw him up there as a nominee as well. You know, I'm going to sort of go on another angle here, another tangent, and throw out our guy, the reigning king of the 173-pound weight division, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Now, he doesn't do a lot of goofy things on his Instagram, although I do believe that those uh, epic uh, In-N-Out Burger photos from last year showed up there. (laughs) However, it's more for the comments, because when you look at his comments... People just go GGG, 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 GGG. <laughs> to every single one. They're, like, they're at minimum 50 Gennady Golovkin challenges uh, on Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.'s comments. Every, whatever he posts, it could be him and his daughter, GGG, GGG, good boy, good boy. So, <laughs> He's an incredibly prolific poster, by the way. He'll do about seven videos and eight new pictures each morning. It's ridiculous. All right. Uh, give me one more before we close this out. Well, you know, some people might hate follow Chavez in that re- regard. Danny Swift Garcia, whether you're going to hate follow him or follow him because you're a big fan, is also a great follow because of just the ridiculous pictures. You know, he's the hashtag swag champ. So the ridiculous pictures of him dressed up, his dad dressed up. And <laughs> I'll give them credit. The two of them also post some videos where they respond to haters about the whole cherry thing because a lot of people respond uh, in the comments section, just like tr- doing GGG for Chavez. A lot of people just do the emoji of the cherry to them and they have fun with it. In return it's a very good follow the cherry emoji is becoming one of my favorites that and the little running man that they always put <laughs> on their guys you run hey, can we re- retire one instagram account he would have had a chance to be on this list before his life fell apart and now i feel bad even saying it but jermaine taylor had a run on instagram that was almost unparalleled it was disturbing but it was unparalleled i guess you know everyone does like to watch a car crash but man it is a little too dark for me even yeah. for me that might oh. be too dark let's forget i ever said that 
All right, Brian. Well, it's time to call Robert Garcia. Let's go ahead and get the 2013 Trainer of the Year on the phone. Let's do it. Okay, joining us now, we are really, really honored to have Robert Garcia, uh, one of the best trainers in boxing, the 2013 Boxing Writers Association of America, I got it right, trainer of the year, uh, owner of the Robert Garcia Boxing Academy in Oxnard, trainer of a lot of really prominent fighters, uh, his brother Mikey Garcia, Brandon Rios, uh, Marcos Maidana, and many, many more, um, and uh, actually a man who's trained fighters to fight Manny Pacquiao twice with Antonio Margarito in 2010 and uh, Brandon Rios in 2013 and as well uh, you trained Marcos Maidana twice to fight Floyd Mayweather last year so you know both these guys well it's pretty much as well as any opposing trainer can know them um, I guess I wanted to start Robert um, by by looking at it as a, as a trainer you've been across the ring from both Freddie Roach Manny's trainer and Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather senior who trains his son um, does does he, do you do you think either fighter possesses an advantage in the corner in this fight Well I think if we talk about corner I think uh, I think the one that has the advantage has to be uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao Freddie Roach has has done you know a lot of uh, a lot of Great work, not only with Manny but with so many other fighters. He's uh, he's, uh, he's he's got the experience, and he's pretty much uh, you know the one that's done a lot. You know, uh, Floyd Senior. You know, he's worked with his son and only his son. You know, he's he's had a few other fighters like Oscar De La Hoya at one time, but didn't do much with him. And you know, wasn't where where Oscar went on and and won multiple titles or right. anything like that. I think I think I think uh in the corner I give the advantage to uh to Pacquiao. I think Fred Roach is more more experienced. He knows how to how to make a, a change if he has to. I think uh with Mayweather it's himself doing if he has to adapt, if it's to make a change it's himself. I don't really think as much the instructions of the corner or the trainer that that that, that could uh, make a difference in a fight. I think it's Mayweather himself. Right. So, I mean, so obviously Mayweather is undefeated. That that sort of system has never hurt him so far. Do you think it could be a factor in this fight? I don't think it will be a factor. I don't. Uh, I, 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 I see being, there being a few changes coming from Freddie Roach because being the, the trainer that, that made a lot, of, a lot of different changes in so many different fighters, especially Manny Pacquiao, everything he's done with him. You know, he's, he, he's already done so much, and he could make a change in, in, from one round to another, advising his, his fighter to do something differently. But I think Mayweather is just the, the type of fighter that adapts so easy to anything that, that they bring in, inside the ring. You know, uh, it won't be easy, but I, I see I see an interesting fight. You know, Pacquiao is very, you know, awkward, difficult, throws a lot of punches. And, uh, and and we'll see how Mayweather adapts. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, he, he's always done it. You know, he's done it with everybody, bigger guys, smaller guys, uh, fast, uh, right-handers, left-handers. He's done it with everybody. Robert, I was sitting ringside, of course, for the Mayweather-Maidana rematch. What I saw in that fight was a version of Floyd who really labored and willed himself to do things that maybe a year earlier in 2013 he was doing flawlessly. I wanted to know from your perspective, was that more of him losing a step or more of Maidana being just a different animal to sort of contend with than, say, Guerrero or Alvarez were? 
Look, I, I think I think my dad now was was the be, you know better man than than the Guerrero or the, or 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 Canelo because we came up with good game plans for both fights. We we I had to make my own changes knowing that that the first fight uh, you know uh, was was very close. Then the second fight, you know, knowing who who the ref was going to be and everything. We had to make a few changes to make. We made a few adjustments. And, and, and Mayweather, you know, did what he had to do. But uh, but I, I think Mayweather still still has uh, everything. He he has, I would say, maybe slowed down a little on on, uh, on, on his on his um, legs, his, uh, his reflexes. Because Maidana, you know, being a one-dimensional fighter that you know, nobody ever thought would be in that position, you know, was able to land some great shots. Uh, that tells you that that uh, that Floyd has slowed a little, has, you know, lost a little bit of, of his reflexes and everything, but, but so has Pacquiao, you know. They, they're, they're both, they, they've both already been in there so many years. They've, they've fought the best in the world uh, for, for many years, so I think it, it's a perfect matchup, you know. It, we're probably going to see the you know, the same kind of match that we would have seen five, six years ago, you know, maybe just a little bit slower on both parts. Well, that's sort of the assumption that when you get two, you know, all-time greats, which these two guys are together at the ends of their career, there's more potential for action. I, I think the assumption is that their skills have diminished, but do you think there's any other factor that sometimes you end up with, with, with wars when you didn't see one coming when you have two aging fighters? Well, you know, I, I think it's you know, like just like you said, you know, now that they're they're both at at an age where where it's towards the the end of their career, I think we're gonna see probably a better fight than we would have seen five six years ago. Because five six years ago, maybe it would have been so much easier for for Mayweather to move around and 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 use his legs and 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 and, and all that. Uh, instead of now, where he where he showed it against Madonna, where he he stood in the ropes for a long time, he got hit by some counter punches that. That nobody would ever think Maidana would land four or five years ago. So, so it's interesting, you know, knowing that Pacquiao is actually a good, a good, uh, fast, strong counterpuncher that that could surprise, that has surprised a lot of great fighters and could surprise uh, Mayweather also. It's 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 going to be such an interesting fight that I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a a fight that's going to bring us a lot of action. Robert, I wanted to ask, uh, I, you know. In the two fights against Mayweather, uh, Maidana, one of the things it seemed like he was being really effective with was just using his, his he, I think he came into the ring a little bit bigger than Mayweather and, and stronger, uh, and he used those size and weight advantages, you know, like you said, to keep him against the ropes and, and sort of get, get rough and, and, and trouble Mayweather a little bit. Um, you know, Maidana is a, is a very aggressive fighter, so is Pacquiao, but he, he's not going to have a similar sort of size advantage uh, against Mayweather. Manny will probably come into the ring a little bit smaller. Um, do you, you know, do you think that, that Pacquiao's aggression will be able to, will be a, effective in a similar or a different way from, from Maidana's aggression the way it was when he fought Mayweather? Look, when, when we fought Mayweather the first time, we had never faced Mayweather with any of my fighters. So that that was the plan, to come in heavy, try to take as much advantage as we could with the weight. And it worked out perfectly. It was the fight that was very close. Uh, we earned the rematch. So it, it was a very, very close fight. But uh, but it did affect Maidana a little bit in the later rounds, bringing him a little too heavy. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
you know, that won't affect Pacquiao because Pacquiao is going to come in at his natural weight. He's going to be a little bit lighter, but Pacquiao throws a lot more punches than Maidana does. You know, he throws a lot more punches, and not only not only throws more punches, but Pacquiao can can move from one from one side of, of, of Mayweather to the other without Mayweather uh, expecting it or seeing it. And that and that is very difficult. It is very difficult to prepare for somebody like like Pacquiao. And uh, and uh, if Mayweather stays in the ropes for a long period of time, I think he'll be in trouble there. Now, after both fights with Madonna last year, Mayweather said that the rematch was actually harder for him than the first match. Do you believe that? Uh, did you see it that way also, or do you think that you know that this could be one of Floyd's sort of uh, mind games, where he you know he actually doesn't want fighters to ever fight him like Madonna did that first time, so he's just going to say that was easy and the second fight was hard. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was it was easy because. You know he got cut. He was, you know, he, he was, he was in trouble a couple times in the ropes. And Maidana was just making it a a rough fight, which is never a rough fight is never going to be easy right. for nobody. But but uh, in the second fight, we did prepare a little bit different to use a little more uh, distance in between the fighters and counter a little more. And Maidana landed some beautiful punches during that fight, which were maybe not as many as the first fight. So that's probably what Mayweather is, is, is talking about. But uh, it, in reality, it might be just trying to to make everybody believe that uh, the pressure did not bother him, so that way other fighters don't do it. You know, uh, I, uh, I I I totally think Mayweather talks like that to make people believe something uh, when it's it's the opposite. Robert, you have a, a really distinct. Uh, experience preparing against two different versions of Manny. You took Margarito in there against him in 2010. That was still the hurricane combination in your face like crazy version of Manny. We, you saw him in the Rios fight in 2013, a much more thoughtful version, if you will. What's the difference in your mind between 2015 Manny and the guy you prepared for in 2010? Look, Manny, Manny is always, always has been and, and, and for both of my fights that I had against him was very difficult to prepare for Manny. You cannot find somebody to spar and 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 that fights like Manny. It, it's very difficult when you go in the ring. My fighters are in shape. My fighters were in shape and and uh, hungry to to beat Manny. But in the ring, it was just something they had never seen and never expected. Uh, it, it's very very difficult. You know, you cannot find anybody in sparring that's gonna be as fast or, or, or powerful or, or the way he moves, you know, jumps from one side of the from one side of the fighter to the other and, and throws three, four punch combinations. It, he's very awkward, you know. And uh, and both my fighters that fought him had a hard time and could just couldn't do it. Manny did everything he wanted to do for twelve rounds. Uh on the other hand with, with Mayweather it's not a, it's not as hard to prepare for Mayweather. Mayweather is 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 is, is hard to beat but he is not the same as he's not as hard as 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 it is uh, to to train for because we could find sparring partners that are very defensive that use their shoulder roll a lot and we found good ones and and I'm sure Manny's got some great ones too. It's not that difficult, but you know maybe he just finds a way to get away with the win. You know he finds a way. He doesn't go out there to impress. He doesn't go out there to 
to please the crowd. He goes out there just to to get to do enough to get the win. That's really interesting the way you said one guy's harder to prepare for, one guy's harder to sort of execute against. But when you look at uh, Mayweather here, everyone's talking about can we see the old Pacquiao of old against Mayweather and how would Mayweather deal with that? Do you think Mayweather has the punching power that would stop Pacquiao from trying to be that guy of old once again? I I don't think uh, Mayweather has the power to stop uh Pacquiao. I think if if Pacquiao comes in the way he did four or five years ago with that power and that speed that he had, that footwork that he had, I think Mayweather, Mayweather will be in trouble. Uh, Pacquiao, you know, is was very fast and very powerful, but we got to see. You know, he he could be training harder than than ever, but we might just not be able to see the Pacquiao that we want to see. It's you know, four or five years late, six years maybe late, and uh, there's there's just nothing he could do. He could train as much as he can, but inside the ring, you know, maybe his body just won't respond the way everybody expects it to respond. But, you know, it, 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 it's the same way with Mayweather. Mayweather cannot be the same as he was five, six years ago. So that's why, as I'm saying, it's going to be probably a better fight than it would have been five, six years ago. Agreed. Yeah, and Robert, I wanted to ask you about sort of like the before-after effect with Pacquiao because you trained Antonio Margarito to fight him in 2010. And then, of course, in a couple of years later, Pacquiao got knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez in that famous fight uh, and such a devastating knockout. Uh, and then after that, you, you trained Brandon Rios to fight Pacquiao in his first fight back. I guess so many people have have guessed that that knockout uh, a knockout that bad will change a fighter forever. You hear all these things, or it takes ten years to recover from that. Bernard Hopkins keeps saying that. Uh, do you think that knockout changed Manny Pacquiao as a fighter? Well, I I think it, it has to have some effect, but there's there's so many different things that that also. Uh, mean a lot, you know, when it comes to, to Pacquiao. Pacquiao has has uh has hasn't been able to really hurt anybody in the last few years, hasn't really been able to do some damage. And even even before the before the Marcus fight, even before the knockout, he had already changed and maybe maybe due to him being so religious and, and not wanting to hurt his opponents and, and thinking of about God so much, maybe that has something to do. Because uh, you know that's all you know that's all that uh, that uh, that uh, we have heard you know that since he gave his his soul and body to to God that he has he hasn't been the, the hasn't had that killer instinct so it's possible you know it's possible but I don't know if that you know that I wouldn't know I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you I could tell you that you know when he fought when he fought Margarito he was so fast and so strong he you know he pretty much put a beating on Margarito. And then when when we faced him with with Rios, it wasn't he he beat Rios, but it wasn't like he put a beating on Rios. Rios was never hurt. Rios was Rios was didn't come out with with his face, you know, bruised up or anything. He got hit, but wasn't that bad. And Rios even said that you know that he never hurt him. And you know we heard those punches that were landing on Margarito, and uh, uh, those punches were hurting. You know what I mean? There is a difference. Yeah. Was it the knockout? I don't know, or was it his the way he his life changed, uh, became very religious? That could have been uh, that could be that could be it, or 
maybe just the age. Maybe his age is already he's up there where where he doesn't have the power and, and speed anymore. You know, that's one of the things about, you know, the, the, that Manny Pacquiao hasn't knocked as many opponents out over the last five years. But especially when you're talking about your fighters, Margarito and, and Brandon Rios, I, it's, those guys have such amazing chins. And, of course, Shane Mosley stopped Margarito that one time. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to see anyone knocking some of those guys. I mean, Rios, I mean, you know, I guess I, just tell, tell us a little bit about Rios's chin. It's a little bit of a, a digression, but wow. I mean, he's, you know, watching him, he's got such resilience. Well, you know, Rios, Rios is, is that type of fighter, you know, that actually likes to go in there and get hit. But we've been lucky enough, myself, Cameron Duncan, and the team, we've been lucky enough to, to convince Rios and Takum into fighting a little bit more defensive in his fight. And I think he showed a little bit in his last fight against Alvarado. Mm -hmm. He was giving a little bit more head movement, using his jab a little bit better and, and actually using using some 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 head movement to, to be able to counter and to be able to make Alvarado miss. And that's one thing he promised us when training camp started or else we didn't want him to fight anymore because we, we knew... What he what he's capable of, but we also knew the damage that he could do to his to his body if he just doesn't think uh, about protecting himself. Right. And and when he fought Pacquiao, when he when he lost his uh, his first fight to Alvarado, and then he loses to Pacquiao, those fights were just it was just not different. It wasn't the Brandon that we wanted. Brandon just trained just for that fight, just to take, just to get those fights and get it over with, with not that with without having that hunger. Now he knew that it was his last chance. That's why he trained the way he did, and he listened to everything he was told, and he showed it in the ring. I think in his next fight, he'll show he'll show a little bit more of what we've been working with, uh, and uh, and 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 I think it'll. He, you know, a lot of people already noticed a, a little bit of difference, but they're also saying, oh, it was probably because Alvarado had nothing left, and that is possible that Alvarado had nothing left. But even even if Alvarado had nothing left, Brandon did look better than he did in his previous fight. Yeah, I thought so, you guys got robbed a little bit from showcasing how good Brandon would, exactly, would have potentially exactly. looked. You know, yeah, does that well, make you mad, or, or are you just that, happy? No, your it, guy does, gets... it doesn't. It doesn't make me mad. I, I just laugh of uh, you know all those. You know, it's 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 all about who you know and who you like and who your agent is when it comes to those HBO commentators. It just didn't look like the same Alvarado, and I think that unfortunately got in the way of us seeing how good Rios did. Because, man, he looked – I mean, seeing those interviews beforehand, I, I had never seen him that dialed in. I'm sure you saw that he in training was. camp. He was, and he is now. He still is, and he's ready for whenever we get something for him in his next fight. Hopefully sometime in June he's ready. He's ready in the gym, and, you know, he, he's learning. He's He knows he's, it's, it's a new – a new chapter and uh, and and it could be his last chance so he wants to do the best out of it you know he already went through having a lot of money and 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 not training as hard and not taking fights seriously well this time around he's he's, he's really really serious and then training training like never before and following instructions doing things that he has never done so, so that that you know that it's unfortunately alvarado you know couldn't do much and had nothing left but i think even if alvarado was was the Alvarado that 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 everybody seen the second time they fought? Mm -hmm. If we had the Brandon that that got ready for 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 this last fight, I think we would have seen a similar type of fight because Brandon was just unstoppable that night.
just from from your point of view in Brandon's corner, just staying on the Rios thing for a second, do you wish he goes in the direction? I mean, there's some amazingly attractive action fights out there. If he whether he ends up with a Batiste or a Provodnikov, do you want to see him go that road or see him go the road of chasing world titles and seeing what he can become as a fighter? Right now, Brandon wants anybody. He he calls me uh, and and Cameron Duncan and tells us, I do not care who I fight. Just give me the best fights out there because I want to show you guys what I'm, what I, what I can do inside the ring. And uh, and and he's in the gym every day. But he even even after we're you know two hours away, uh, out of the gym, he's he's calling me at night, telling me, "Have you talked to Cameron? Tell him I want this. Tell him I want." He'll fight anybody. He he would love to fight the winner of Matisse uh, uh, Povanikov next month. He would love, you know, he would love to fight Timothy Bradley. He would love to fight uh, Cal Brook. You know, anybody. There's, there's, there's been so many talks about all, you know, those names. He would love to. He fights anybody. He'll fight anybody, and all, all those fights are a pretty good fight for him. Robert, when you're in the corner for one of these fights that are like a can't miss action fight, you know, like any, like the first two Rio Alvarado fights, and the fans just want to see a war so bad, are you able to enjoy what you're watching when it's a great action fight, or are you more focused on oh, I don't want to see my guy take punishment, or ooh, we need to do this to win? Do you get to enjoy that at all? When it's Brandon, when I have Brandon in the corner, when I'm, I'm working Brandon's corner, I enjoy it. Because I know he loves it. I know it. Uh, he comes to the corner and, 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 and tells me, I love this. I love what I'm doing. And I tell him, I know you love it. You know, it, it, it's just I remember Brandon, that from the first, uh, first it, Alvarado fight. Exactly. He loves it. And I, and I enjoy it, too, because I know, I know he loves it so much that, you know, I love it, too. I'm not afraid of him, of him getting hit because I know that's what he wants, and he's going to come back and get his opponent worse. You know, if, if I'm talking about a different opponent, I, I mean a different, different one of my fighters that I know – should not be in wars and should fight smarter and it's a lot smarter and goes into a war, then I am going to be worried. And yes, I am going to probably slap him and tell him, what, what, what are you thinking? You're not, that's not the way you fight. You know, it, it depends on who the fighter is. But with Brandon, I have to enjoy it. You know, we enjoy doing training. We enjoy it. Uh, we've enjoyed it in the streets with, you know, with Brandon. You know, that's just Brandon. That's Brandon. In the ring, we enjoy every more, every minute of it. Uh, you know, Robert, we, oh, go ahead. No, no. Well, I was just going to say we referenced really quickly that Provodnikov Matisse fight, which has everybody just licking their lips. I just wanted to get quickly your take on how you see that one playing out because I almost find it impossible to predict because it's sort of like which guy is going to be the last one standing. Yeah, I, I honestly I can't predict either. I uh, I've seen them both and they're both tremendous warriors. I you know I would if if I had to I would probably say. I would probably pick Matisse because he's he's a little bit better, uh, more of a, a little bit better of a of a boxer if we call it a boxer. Uh, Provodnikov is just that one fighter that comes forward like a, like a bull, which could cut the ring and 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 and, and beat Matisse. But I just you know I just want to pick that that the one that that has those those skills a little bit better, and 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 I would pick Matisse, but. It's a fight that uh, that I really it's very very hard to pick who I think is going to win because it could go either way. All I know is going to be a hell of a fight, and uh, <laughs> I have I have a, a six round fighter, um, Maidana's little brother, fighting that same day on the Chavez card. But believe me, right after the fight, <laughs> I'm gonna drive home and watch <laughs> and watch uh, those fights on HBO because those fights on HBO are both going to be great fights. I I truly believe they're going to be better than the ones. We're gonna we're having uh, you know 
you know, at, at the at the stuff of, uh, you know, and 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 I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to rather do that, stay home and watch and watch the fights on HBO uh, rather than than go uh, and watch uh, the fights at the stuff of, you know, even though you know, Junior is is is, is, is an idol. He's had, he has a lot of following, and I'm sure the place is going to be packed. But there is going to be a lot of people, you know, on their phones. Want to see the results on <laughs> on who, who's winning and how the fight's going? Well, we know Provodnikov. He doesn't come for your title. I think he comes for your soul. That's just a <laughs> yes. different dude, you know. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And, and if you don't have, and if you don't have the heart, or if you have that 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 negative thing in, in your mind, then he's gonna go right through you and and take your soul out and and put a beating on you. Because you know, just being in front of him, you know. I, I, I'm glad I'm not fighting in this time and, and facing somebody like him where, you know, just being in front of him is already scary. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know how the, his opponents do it, but, you know, I don't think Matisse has that problem. I think Matisse mm-hmm. is also one of those uh, warriors that is not going to be intimidated by, by Provanikov being the, the that beast that comes at you. I think Matisse is, 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 is a, a great warrior also, but has that, a little bit better skills that give him that age on, on this fight. So, Robert, you mentioned uh, Marcos Maidana's brother is fighting on the Chavez Jr. undercard that day. Uh, but I wanted to ask about Maidana. You know, there, I don't know if you saw there was a picture going around the Internet of Maidana in Argentina looking like like he gained a lot of weight. Like he got pretty pretty big. Uh, oh, come on. He's got a big paycheck. He's happy. I He's understand. Yeah, exactly. He, he had got, a great year. He got but, a... He got a, he got a, he got a he gained a lot of weight, mm. but look, I, I I I don't like that. You know, when a fighter takes time off, it's not it's not to get fat. You know, if you want if you want a year off, well, take that year off. But you still got to be eating healthy. You still have to go running because because uh, unless unless it's the end of the career, or your career and you don't care about your you know your health, then go ahead and do whatever you want. But uh, but when a fighter, you know, like Maidana, he he fought Broner in December, mm-hmm. then fights Mayweather in May and Mayweather in September. So in a period of nine months, three. he had three big fights, the biggest fights of his career, three big fights. They they were not easy either. All three went twelve rounds. Uh, so he he earned some time off, and that's what he wanted. He wanted to take a year off. That's what he told us because he doesn't want to fight. He probably won't fight this year, and if he does, it's probably going to be towards the end of the year. Right. So, rightfully so, right. I agree with him taking some time off because you know for nine months he was in training camp and, and fighting and uh, and made a lot of money also. So let him enjoy it. But to see pictures like that, you know, it kind of hurts me because you know when he gets back into the gym, it's going to take four to five months just just to get all that weight mm-hmm. off. And, and and a lot of fighters do it. I, I don't. I don't. I don't see. I don't know why, because that's not. It's not like it's the end of the, their career. You know, they want to keep fighting. So why, why gain twenty, thirty, forty, five, forty pounds after your fight when you know you're gonna fight in three, three or four months and you're gonna have to lose thirty, forty pounds? 
it that's dangerous. Yeah, but and a in, lot of fighters do that. In in Madonna's case, it's a, it feels like a shame, or because he's because he was becoming such a a popular fighter. You know, he was so brave against, so sort of so aggressive against Mayweather, and of course he beat Broner. You know, who a lot of people yeah. wanted to see get beat, and it was such an entertaining fight, and he was so funny afterwards. And then you know you want to see more of him as a fan. Uh, exactly. And, you know, not only not only not only well as 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 a fan as a fan, everybody wants to see him because you know he earned. To be that popular, and he's earned, you know, the way he fights. Everybody wants to see him fight, but I, I also think, you know, at, at 31, why not take take advantage of your moment? You know, he's he's at a, he's in a, in a moment where where he's making so much money, and he could make so much more uh, in in three or four fights. Uh, why let your body get so big, and then maybe maybe even think of not fighting again when you're in your prime? Let's you know, you build you build something to be at a point where you're making millions and millions, and now you don't want them. You know, it, yeah. it, it's hard to understand, and and uh, and we talk about it. His manager, we all talk about it, but you know, you know, only, he only knows you know why he's you know he's he's not he doesn't have that hunger to come back and and do it again. I know he'll get it. Like his manager tells me, he'll call me in a couple of months, and uh, and he'll uh, he'll. Uh, He'll he'll tell me when he could fight and everything because that that happens all the time. But uh, but he uh, but right now it's like I feel bad. Like come on, you should be fighting two at least two times this year and making yourself four or five million dollars. You know why? Who wouldn't want that? You know how many fighters? How many fighters do I have in my gym that uh, that are from Argentina? I already have like five or six guys from Argentina that would do anything possible to be in that position where they're making millions millions of dollars and they'll take advantage of it. And the one that already has it is not doing it. You gotta tell us about my Donna's brother here though, Robert. Is this guy have the the same intangibles and love of tattoos that Marcos does? <laughs> Look, this kid is 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 the the same Maidana that everybody knows, but in skills a lot better than Maidana. Whoa. Ooh. This kid could fight, yes. He, but he is also that same, that same kid that uh, that Maidana was. Maidana has changed a lot since he got married and, and got his his newborn and everything. He changed a lot. But what I've heard from everybody from Argentina and his manager that Maidana was, you know, he was uh, he he was it was hard to find him before the fights and stuff like that. He was out partying and and doing things that he wasn't supposed to. That was Maidana. His brother is the, is pretty much the same way. Mm. It, it it's hard to get him to to train a full week without taking a day off or 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 eating the way he's supposed to eating healthy it's not it's not easy but if we talk about skills this kid is 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 much better uh than Marcos Maidana speaking of skills here Robert you're brother mikey is is one of the most skilled fighters in the world before this year break i had him in my top 10 pound for pound in the world can you update us on on, you know what his situation when we may be able to see him back i know he told us at espn.com two months ago that he was looking at this spring where do you where do you see this falling look we uh we since last year we had already been almost pretty much close to to getting some we already thought he was gonna fight at the beginning of the year things didn't go the way the way we wanted them and the way Mikey wanted them because it's him that makes the final decision. I've had a lot of things already lined up for him, but you know he makes the the decision and 
and uh, and I can't force him to to do something that he's not going to be happy. I don't want to put him somewhere where where he's not going to be happy and he's going to just fight because he has to. I want him to make his decisions and and be happy where he's at and 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 be happy at what he's doing. He he's a businessman. He's he's smart enough that he's going to make the right decision. Sometimes I think he's too smart for his own good, but I think that by the end of the year he'll be he'll he'll be back at your at your uh, top not ten but maybe top five pound for pound wow. uh, list because uh, we have something coming. I can't say nothing right now, but it looks like in the next in the next uh, week or so, you know, we'll have something going where where yes. soon you guys will see him back in the ring and uh, and he should fight. At least two. I want him to fight three more times this year, but at least two times this year. And one forty? Are we are we still thinking about one forty? Well, he is not. You know, he's been off for almost a year and a half, and he's not. He's not heavy. Mike is still in the gym. Mike is still running. So I I would like him to to pick up a title at one thirty five, so he can be a three division world champion, and then move up to one forty as a as a three division world champion, which means. You know a lot more when it comes to mm-hmm. to the business, uh, but he wants to. What he wants to do is is uh, his first fight back. Do it at one forty, maybe even a catch weight of thirty, thirty eight, thirty seven, thirty eight, to see how he feels, and and then come down to get that title at one thirty five because he knows it's also very important. But then there's also you know there's also that situation right now where where a lot of promoters don't really even care about titles anymore. Uh, so it, it's going to be up to him. I would like him to be a three division world champion before he goes to 140, but uh, but his first step back is going to be at maybe at, at 38, 37, 38. And then he told me if if I feel good, if I feel comfortable, then I'll come down to 135, or 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 and, and if not, I'll just stay at 140 and continue fighting at 140. That's, that's not. That's, a, I know it might not be a big money that. fight. But I want to see him against Crawford. I think he still. I still think he can beat Crawford. People hate that. Well, opinion, I, I but. think so too. And uh, and uh, it's it's something that uh, they you know they you know, like I'm like I'm telling you, I don't I don't I don't want to put Mikey in 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 a position where he's not going to be happy. But all that is is there. It's it's there just for him to say yes. And I'm telling you, it, it it's there. And not only that, but there's so many other big fights, big names, and everything that that Mikey could beat. And Mikey and Mikey. Uh, will be when when the time comes and the fights are there, he will. Uh, but uh, you know he's he's taking care of his own situation right now. But I'm telling you, I, it 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 should be before the end of the week where everybody everybody will, uh, will know something on Mikey. All right, Robert, we're really looking forward to hearing uh, what happens with your brother, Mikey Garcia. Uh, we got time for one more question, basically uh, to bring it back to Mayweather Pacquiao. Uh, you know, how do you see the fight playing out? You know, what's going to happen if you can tell us? Uh, do you have a pick for the fight? Look, uh, I I think the fight is going to be like I told you guys. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a fight that uh, we're going to enjoy. I, I I can't wait for this fight. It's going to be a great fight. Uh, uh, Pacquiao is is very fast and throws a lot more punches than than Maidana did against uh, against Mayweather. And Maidana almost pulled it off. You know, a lot of you know it was very close. Mayweather is very defensive. I think Mayweather is going to do enough just to win a decision. That's what you know. That's the way I see it. Uh, he's very defensive. Uh, he's going to use a lot of uh, a lot of, uh, the ropes a lot, using his shoulders to to avoid getting hit. Uh, 
and try to pull up a decision like that, knowing that that style is already very familiar with all the judges, whoever the judges are, they're already pretty pretty much aware of his style, and the rounds will go to him unless Pacquiao is able to hurt him and and uh, and drop him or you know maybe even not come out. You know anything could happen because Pacquiao is a very powerful man, hits very hard and he's very fast. So anything will happen. But I I I think a uh, uh, a decision will go to to Mayweather. Uh, and you know, but this is also business. So you know, a rematch would be huge. <laughs> so you know, Mayweather knows that after after Pacquiao, who do they who right. who do we want to see him fight? Triple G. That that probably be the only <laughs> the only fight that makes a little bit of sense. You know what I mean? So. So what else? Is he going to go back down to fight Danny Garcia or or or, or maybe Amir Khan? Maybe in England it'll sell, but but you know what I mean. Uh, so so he's a businessman. So uh, he's making over a hundred million dollars in this one. He could easily make a, over a hundred million dollars in the rematch, and uh, and it, it it's all it's all part of the part of the part of the sport, part of the game. He's a he's a businessman, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're and doing two or three fights. Robert, fantastic analysis. We were, and you've been gracious with your time. We really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. And all I have to say is, it's a shame my Donna didn't get to wear those other gloves for the first fight. Boom. You know what? It is. It is. You know, I we were very disappointed. We were very upset. But you know, what can we do? And it when it comes to fighting in Vegas, you know, it it, it, it was kind of embarrassing for the commission to to approve my gloves and and say yes, you could wear them. And then Mayweather comes and says, "Nope, I'm not going to let him wear them." And they and they decide to to go to uh, you know to take Mayweather's side. It, it was a little upsetting, but it is what it is. There's nothing we could do. You know, we couldn't use him the first. We couldn't use him the second. I think I think that right hand in the third round, at the end of the third round, that that oh, Madonna yeah. hit Mayweather with, if he mm-hmm. would have been wearing his you know his uh, Everlast MX glass, I think Mayweather been down. <laughs> and he and he told us he was very hurt after that punch. He told us, you really heard me after the, that that punch. I think the MX Plus would have knocked him out. Well, Robert, thank you again. Uh, it's been a really, really great interview, uh, and uh, we hope to see you back uh, in the corner soon and your fighters doing well in the ring. Thank you very much. And uh, I have a lot of up-and-comers that, you know, right now you guys already know my big names, but I have some guys that are going to make, I think by the end of this year, I have three or four that are going to make a lot of noise and everybody's going to hear from them and know from them because these kids are the real deal. We're looking forward to it. Great stuff. Thank you Thanks, very Robert. Much. Thank you. Before we preview this weekend's fights, we're going to revisit the Judah list. Now, we're probably not going to be in previewing these fights next week, so I want to talk about our guy, Adonis Stevenson, the lineal light heavyweight champion who will be defending his title uh, next week, April 4th, in Canada against Sakio Bika. Uh, Stevenson, you know, well, if you don't know why he's on the Judah list, why we are hoping that he gets knocked out someday in embarrassing fashion, uh, just listen to this latest preview that uh, PBC, Premier Boxing Champions, has put together for him. I'm Adonis Superman Stevenson. My record is 25-1 and one with 22 knockouts. I love to knock people out. Boom. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Brian? <laughs> I love to knock out super light heavyweights you never heard of before. Come <laughs> on, dude. It's I love to run from Kovalev. <laughs> uh, Look, I, you know, this is your list to see who you want to get face planted. 
again, I can't I can't argue with anyone who's upset at Adonis for for constantly going after the money and avoiding Kovalev. We know after Kovalev's victory over Pascal that Stevenson told Bernard Hopkins he wants this fight. He's telling everybody who will listen that he wants this fight. Look, until he really does want this fight, it's kind of hard to 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 do anything but give this guy the uh, the old judalist uh, pound for pound undisputed championship belt right now, right? You know, the other thing about this video that sort of honestly, in a way, in a way, makes my skin crawl. And it's weird. I'm usually not too much of a moralist when it comes to boxing and fighters' past, but Adonis Stevenson has a, a, a particularly uh, grisly past of violence against women. Uh, he was convicted of, of, you know, being a pimp at one point in time in his life, and it's good that he's moved on and, and done something better, but it's hard to watch that guy look into the camera and be, I love to knock people out. You know, when he literally he is he's laid punched women before anyway. So that's another that's aside from all the Kovalev business stuff in boxing. That's another reason why uh, someday, you know, you you may want we may wish as boxing fans to see Adonis Stevenson take a good licking. And he, uh, he killed a good story, by the way, a good story of a guy coming back out of nowhere at 36 to win the lineal title. And then he just killed it. You know, he killed all the all the goodwill he would have had. But whatever. We'll it's move possible, on. yeah. So I wanted to ask you sort of uh, bubbling up in the nether regions of the judalist world. Uh, I'm starting to get the feeling that Miguel Cotto, the, you know, the now the lineal middleweight champion of the world after defeating Sergio Martinez last year, uh, that he's sort of working his way back into judalist territory where I'm going to want to see him get knocked out. And I feel almost bad about this because I've already seen Cotto take two of the worst stoppage losses I can remember in, in, in big fights. I mean, like his loss to Antonio Margarito, where it may have been with the loaded gloves, really one of the... At the time when it happened, I was like, yes, Margarito, you know, but then, you know. <laughs> then you looked the, at Miguel's iPad and you yeah. changed your mind, right? <laughs> yeah, he's look, look. Uh, and then, you know, and then, of course, when he fought Manny Pacquiao, he, he uh, over almost 12 rounds, really, really got beat up bad. And, and both those fights, you start off cheering like, yeah, beat him up. Because I, I don't for whatever reason, I've never been among the Cotto fanboys. Um but then by the end, I'm feeling like, oh, let him go, let him off the hook. And so this is—I feel like he's—he's he's walking right back into this situation where, because he—he uh, he is the middleweight champion of the world, but he won't fight the obvious best middleweight in the world, Gennady Golovkin. You want to see him, you know, get what's coming to him. Uh, even yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's in a tough spot right now because. He we gave him so much amnesty because he you know moved up in weight. Did the whole and he's hashtag, an all-time great. Yeah, all-time great has fought everybody. Did the dare to be great thing that I love by moving up in, fa- in weight and facing uh, Martinez. You know, Martinez was hurt. Whatever you want to go down that road, but he moved up and he didn't. He won it. Guess what? We're a year later now, and he almost you know almost a year later now we're, we're going to be pushing. He still hasn't fought anybody. He still hasn't been back in the ring. And now you saw those comments he gave to Dan Rayfield on March fourth, where he said, you know, I'm only going to fight Golovkin if it, if it makes sense for me, and if it comes down to me just giving him the title, I'll just give him the title. That's not what you want to hear from you from one of your guys. You know, a guy who has that much goodwill. But he's got this amnesty built up, but the problem is that he knows he does, and he's way more arrogant with it than he should. I mean, he was on Sports Nation today in your building there in L.A., and they asked him, Max Kellerman asked him about fighting Golovkin, and he, you know, the, the crowd's cheering, Michelle Beadle on the desk is cheering, and his response was, uh, we'll see, maybe in a few months 
months, maybe in a few years. Dude, you're not fighting him. And by the way, uh, before Eric Raskin or anybody gets on me, that was a bad Miguel Cotto impersonation, but I don't care. Dude, you're, 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 not, you're not fighting him in two years. You either fight him now or give up the belt. He's almost judalist material, and I hate saying that because he's done so much. We love this guy. He wears the pink Crocs. He's, he wears he's the pink the, briefs. Well, I, I mean, we can go a lot of places with this. Hashtag holding hands. There's a lot going on there, but he's so fun. We love him. You're, you're testing our patience. Miguel, Miguel Cotto was testing the fans of Miguel Cotto's patience. You know, And I'm sorry, Karen Mulvaney, our guy, our colleague. I know he's your man crush there, but his hair's not even close to as good as Lemieux. So you can take that, and you got to tell your guy Cotto to step up here. Let's do it. So watch out, Miguel Cotto. You don't want to end up on the Judah list. Uh, finally, let's close up today by previewing this Saturday's uh, fights on Showtime, sort of an international mix of all from coming from all over the world. Uh, which one do you want to start with? You know, it's interesting here. We got we got three fights on Showtime. I think you got to start off the top with the main event here. And it's a really interesting one. You know, it's for a featherweight title. We're having Johnny Gonzalez defending it against Gary Russell Jr. at the Palms Casino Resort in Vegas on Saturday. I think the real intrigue in this fight, of course, is how Gary Russell Jr. responds, right, to to taking that loss last year against Vasyl Lomachenko. Russell, this this guy who'd been moved so cautiously, yet has gives you those flashes, the ridiculous hand speed. He went in there and he proved that he was over his head, Rafe. Yeah, I, you know, this is an interesting fight because we really, I, we're at the point where I don't even know how much I know about either of these fighters. Obviously, Johnny Gonzalez has had a long, very successful career. The last time he had a meaningful fight, he knocked out Abner Marius in the first round. Uh, but the guys he's fought since then, Jorge Arce and a guy whose name I don't even recall, were not <laughs> competitive. Uh, and Gary Russell was this prospect of the year guy who fought nobodies for years and, and was himself sort of like at the top of everyone's judo list. Uh, and then uh, finally stepped up to face Vasyl Lomachenko and, and got sort of outclassed. But what does that mean? I mean, right now, people who look at Lomachenko look at him in the featherweight division and the possibility of moving up. But as being one of the best fighters in the sport for the next five, ten years. So what does that mean that he just lost to Lomachenko? He could still be a major contender at, at, at featherweight. Uh, and, you know, he, he could show that on Saturday. He definitely could. I mean, if you're going to take a plus from that fight against Lomachenko, he showed a strong chin. He, sh- you know, he took a beating down the stretch, and yeah. he showed that he kept coming back. But you never know how a guy's going to respond to that, which leads me into my question that I always have when we preview each main event is, which Steven Seagal movie title best sums up what this fight is trying to say, what this fight is trying to answer for us, Rafe? Well, my answer to all these qu- every time is going to be on deadly ground because I want to talk about that dream sequence. <laughs> When he killed the bear with a knife, when there's naked Native Alaskan women dancing around blowing in his ears. How is Steven Seagal in my head like that, man? He he lives in mine. But let me go here. If we're talking about this is a big comeback fight, of course, for Gary Russell Jr. So I think the best movie and best movie title here, which was a, a huge comeback movie for Steven Seagal... And that's 2001's Exit Wounds. Mm. You remember it because our guy the DMX, dog. the dog, was was a big star in that one. Look, that was a big comeback fight for Seagal because he hadn't produced a movie in three years. And the previous one he had produced was his first direct-to-video movie, The Patriot, <laughs> which if you have not seen this direct, it makes On Deadly <laughs> Ground look like Citizen Kane. This is, it's absurdly awful. 
This was a comeback for Seagal. It was more of a comeback because a major studio was willing to give him money to put on a major movie. They got a big star in DMX. They had Anthony Anderson, and they had some other guys in there that you know. But in the end... And it got, well, by the way, it, it sold some money. I like that. I remember sitting in the theater being like, damn, this is good. It was fun, but it was fun in sort of a watching, you know, an old faded star go through the motions because there was a lot of trickery in there to make it fun. There was a lot of like basically any Seagal movie after 96, all of his scenes are done by an obvious stunt double who's 200 pounds. You <laughs> he, know, he lost a lot of it. He lost a lot of his hand speed. I think. They don't even give the stunt double like a, an adequate ponytail or a kimono. It's always like, like it's always poorly done. And then they zoom in so close to Seagal like that. He's not none of his his body's not even moving. He's just making facial expressions. That was so. Yeah, that movie was entertaining because in, in that whole window of post 96 Seagal, it was probably the best one pound for pound. All right, Rosacito, bring it home. Tell me how does this relate to Gary Russell? Because this is the question facing Russell right now. Mm -hmm. Are you going to come back and be the same or maybe even be better from what you've learned against Lomachenko? Or are you going to come back and show uh, only, you know, a shadow of yourself like Seagal did there? And what I mean by a shadow is will you be – will this have changed you emotionally and mentally? Will you be as willing to – to be as good as you can be and stand in the pocket when needed and throw those quick combinations or is this going to be the kind of loss that strips you of whatever you had that built yourself up because of how weak the matchmaking was for him to get there I think it's a very fair point to ask because we've seen a lot of fighters not recover well from this kind of loss well unlike Steven Seagal I think Gary Russell has not lost his hand speed yet and in some ways has some style advantages over Johnny Gonzalez as the quicker fighter, as a guy who can dart in and out and uh, score points against Gonzalez, who, you know, is, is, a, is a really big puncher at that weight, but hasn't, aside from Abner Marius, ha- usually falls short against the really best fighters at featherweight. And he's, a- at 33, Johnny Gonzalez, with his style in this division, it's an, it's an ancient combination, right? I mean, we thought he was old in that Marius fight, yeah. you know, until he, he shocked the world with, you know, with that great upset, but even then, look, I understand interviewed Mars a few days before that fight and he was referring to himself in the third person like out of control and I remember texting a few people saying I think Mars might go down here and why I tell you that story is because I think that win may end up being a little overrated in the end and I do think this is a fight that Russell should win when you match up their skill sets together but it's can he make the kind of adjustments that he was unable to do against Vassal where but you know in that fight, obviously, it's different because I think Vassal's hand speed surprised him, and Vassal's obviously a world-class fighter. I don't think at this point Johnny is a world-class fighter. All right, so let's look at the undercard on that one. Just a couple of boxing Twitter, boxing Instagram favorites here. <laughs> Vanis Martirosian and Jermel Charlo, a uh, couple of junior middleweight contenders. Uh, Martirosian's been around the block a few times, basically loses when he steps up to the elite level of competition there. Charlo hasn't fought anyone that great except for, well, I don't know if I would call uh, Gabriel Rosado that great, but Gabriel Rosado is good, and he beat him very convincingly. Um, That's the undercard on Showtime Saturday night. How do you see this fight? I see it as very interesting because this is the Charlo of the two, and it's really hard to tell these guys apart. It took me about three years to really get on it. This is Jermel Charlo, the boxer. And his brother is Jermel Charlo, the what? The the more aggressive puncher. We saw we saw them both on that Amir Khan uh, Devin Alexander card. In that December. doesn't help when they put them both on the same card. It doesn't help. It just makes it more confusing. Well, it's the Jamal same guy. was the guy who blew out that Lenny Bowtie, that 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 bald white dude with all the that, weird tattoos. That amazing world beater. 
Oh, yeah, I think he was wearing tennis shoes as well. And uh, and Jermel's the guy who will stink out a fight. I think he's the more skilled of the two. And I did, by the way, I talked to actually Vanus Madrosin today. I asked him, how do you tell the difference between the two? And his response was, yeah, one guy has more tattoos and the other guy has less. And I was like, all right. Is that even you know? true? I wasn't even aware. No, it is actually true. And that, and the, and Which the, one is the, he fighting? He's fighting the guy with less, he says. Fewer less tattoos, tattoos on Jermel. So that's right. Jermel. Look, this is a fight I think that Jermel has the skills to win a boxing match from the outside and to showcase that kind of skills. But the thing about Vanus is I think he's making a transition. Here was a guy who had a huge amateur background. A lot of people were expecting big things from him. He never lived up into it in the in the pro level. He had those boring fights against Arislandi Lara. I mean, who was that other fight he had? That yeah, was at least just... he got a draw out of that. That might be his best career-like result. And yeah, he had the boring fight against Andrade, but we saw him in his last fight against Willie Nelson, where he was almost like an action fighter. He really stepped on the gas pedal. I asked him if he's sort of making a transition now into more of an action fighter, and he says he's stung by those two fights, the Lara fight and the Andrade fight, where he can't look his family in the face because he knows that he might not, not have done enough. And I like that response. I like that that's sort of fostering a more action fighter in him, and I think that's going to be his his chance to win this because I think skill-wise, he is outgunned, although Charlo really doesn't have the experience. Yeah, well, Vanis has definitely been uh, been playing it up, talking, talking a big game online before the fight, talking trash. He actually put a video up on Facebook uh, that we're going to play for you where he promises to get a tattoo if he loses. Yo, Jamel, I'm so confident I'll beat you March 28th that I will get lines only tattooed on me if you beat me. That's how confident I am. Let's go. I'm so, I can't even keep a straight face <laughs> listening to that, man. Martin Rosen, right. let's talk about that before let's we even get. We, you gotta, we gotta sort of explain why Marta Rosen is this weird folk figure on the boxing internet. Right. Like, what is I this, love what is, Marta Rosen, by the way, know. as like a like a like following on Twitter as a dude. <laughs> he's one of the most hated fighters. He's almost I, like a judalist type guy. Yeah, no, I mean, he's people. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a few judalist people who have him on theirs. He's not afraid to post videos on Instagram or on, on Twitter with just sort of ridiculous opinions, sort of call other fighters <laughs> out. I mean, he's had some pretty pretty ridiculous ones. Uh, but the thing about him is, is he just brings it in terms of, of his personality. And I like that he's starting to change himself into a fighter who just brings it. And he's attacking this Charlo-established, patented hashtag of hashtag Lions Only, do which you, I think is Do you fantastic. know what Lions Only means? You know, the, the, the Charlos, if you follow them on Instagram, all they seem to do is post pictures of lions with that hashtag. And, you know, I think they're just saying that, you know, they are, they've fancied themselves as that sort of type of demeanor and attitude of a lion, and, and that's going to be the only type that's going to be in them. I actually asked Martirosian that today, and he sort of said, well, you can call me the lion killer because I'm coming after him. But, uh, you know, by the way, the Charlos with the lions only have, like, the best theme song ever. You hear this rap tune? I can't find it anywhere on the internet. I want to make it like my, my ringtone. It's fantastic. Have you heard this? I've heard it a couple times. I can't remember it. I mean, do you actually know it? Are you going to sing it for us here? Yeah, I, I, the chorus is just like, just, lines all. It's right, just, I can't back. even do it. Please fall back. Uh, the, thing, the thing about Vanis to me is that like, he's, he's something about his character either rubs people the wrong way or makes you sort of fall in love with how sort of how out there he is and how yeah. willing he is to just, you know, act like he's the man, even if maybe he's not. It's a combination of unapologetic goofiness and unapologetic cockiness, and it's fantastic. One of the best noses in boxing. I don't even know how to... It's like it's like a cucumber. 
It's it's great. So, uh, you know, interesting fight for him. I think he's a guy, by the way, that if this fight goes wrong for him and he sort of goes in that other direction, he really has TV fighter potential. And I, I don't mean that as an insult. He still could have big things ahead of him. But if he goes the wrong way, keeps losing each time he steps up, this guy could be a fun TV fighter that we really want to keep seeing in, in a lot of, you know, cable openers. No, it's true. The first few times I saw him fight, and these were against sort of prospects or, or, or journeymen who weren't, you know, were, were sort of overmatched against him. I, I kind of was excited watching him. You know, he was aggressive. A fighter, he was getting knockouts. He, he was a guy who I sort of was rooting for. Then I went online, and never turned out everyone hated him. <laughs> Anytime I post where you know, oh, this looks, I, I posted when he was going to fight Nelson. I thought, oh, Marta Rosian Nelson, this will be a fun fight. The comments I got in return were like, are you kidding me? This guy's so boring. And I think that's you know a big part of why people turned on him were the boring fights. But again, he has a chance to turn that around. But we have one more Showtime fight here, Rafe. It's it's kind of an interesting one. It's in the afternoon from Sheffield, England. Your guy, Kel Brook, the unbeaten welterweight, will defend his title against JoJo Dan. This will be Brook's first fight since defeating Sean Porter last year. And but first fight since getting stabbed in the getting leg. Getting stabbed. So is he going to pull a Paul Pierce and maybe, maybe become the... Uh, the best post stab Damn. turnaround. In a You're career. not allowed to refer to that here. You're on the Grantland Network, man. You don't. You, that that didn't. That just didn't happen. Like we yeah, don't talk don't, about that here. Yeah, we don't talk about that here. No. But look, this is a mismatch. I mean, JoJo Dan's a fun fighter to watch, but this has a lot of the makings to be potentially one-sided. I'm more interested, Rafe, in what you think Brook means and is to this division. Well, you know, I I like Kel Brook. I think I I mean I I like his boxing ability. I think he can punch a little bit. I think he I like his athleticism and he's sort of a well, I think he, I think of him as a well-rounded fighter, but he seems like one of these guys who's missing some intangible, like some some reserve of willpower or or one of those nebulous concepts that we can't quite figure out what it is, where it comes from, but he might not have it. I think back to that sort of life and death brawl he had with Carson Jones oh, a couple yeah. of years ago. You know, Jones was a mismatch too, and and he really, I mean, he hurt Brooke bad and almost you know almost beat him in that fight. Um, and I I don't know if you know it's sort of hard to say that the same thing could happen here with Dan with with JoJo Dan whose name is spectacular. His uh, real name is even better. Do you ever see it? It's like Yonut Dan. Inuit. Yeah. No. No. It's, it's Romanian. So like the the I O is sort of like a yo like Yonut. Oh, I thought it was like an Inuit like like a, like a you know uh, Alaskan. You, you right? think JoJo JoJo Dan is out here like slaying whales? If he was, then I might take him over Kel Brook. I'd hang out with him and Ruslan and Igloo. I'll Assuming Brooke gets through this fight, um, he has the ability to be a really interesting opponent for the, in, in this welterweight division that's full of of talent and and popular fighters. I mean, you talk about putting him in there with someone like Keith Thurman. Of course, they you always hear Kel Brook, Amir Khan, since they're the two sort of welterweight stars from the United Kingdom. I mean, that would be a huge fight. Of course, Amir Khan, for whatever reason, is doing his whole, oh, he's not on my level thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's... Uh, he's Brooke, a wild yeah. card, Rafe. Yeah. Rafe, he's a wild card, I think, talent-wise. I think there's a little bit of Danny Garcia in him in the fact that he sort of gives you that... Uh, that that feeling that he's 75% good in every category, but there's nothing that wins you over. And I had that same feeling coming into the Sean Porter fight last year that you did hung over from that Carson Jones feeling of watching him just not step up to the plate. But I was impressed what he did against Porter and the fact that he made the necessary adjustments. He held Porter a lot to take care to take away Porter's the aggressiveness. Mauling, yeah. 
And it was just a smart, steady boxing with his jab. He showed a lot of poise. That was the real key. Started to give me that Danny Garcia feeling where you can start to predict people are going to knock him out, but in the end, he's still the guy standing. But I think he's an even bigger wild card in the division for what you mentioned in that he's promoted by Eddie Hearn in England, and it's starting to, to you know give you the feeling that he's one of those rare guys who can play on both sides of the street, whether he's going to be a good opponent for some Heyman-type guys on a Showtime level or whether potentially he could fight the other side. I mean, there was talk last year before Marquez's knee injury, Juan Manuel, that they might have a fight in England, you know, before the stab injury, of course, set that back. I think there's potential where he could fight on both sides, and I think he's he's kind of underratedly good enough because for a while we started to over, you know, he looked a little overrated, but now he's fallen back into the underrated side where I think he's going to be a tough out for a lot of guys. Yeah, I think if if he's one of those guys, if he comes to fight, and we're, I guess this will sort of start to establish a pattern of, of him showing good performances time after time, uh, then he has the tools to be a, a one of the, you know, in the top five, maybe, maybe even higher in, in the welterweight division going forward. Um, the You know, there's still just something about him. You, you're just not sure. I don't want to put my money on it yet. Yeah, he needs a, a, a crazy dad to run his mouth like Angel, too, That's to really that, get me you know, on board. A, a you know, a real hype man like that. You know, a guy who's going to dance in your Instagram videos. A dad who's going to dance hey, in your Instagram videos. I got a great videos. idea for a hype man for him. TV Johnny. Oh, he's, he, he needs to find a British TV Johnny. It's got to be authentic. You know, he there's got to be can't a British come TV to, Johnny. He can't to the, yeah, of course. There's enough. It's a big, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of people out there. Can I patent hashtag Dang Goes the Dynamite, or is that not acceptable? Mm, I do not approve of that. I'm a oh, anyway. Patent pending, everyone. Patent pending. Look, we're going to get to predictions in one moment, but I didn't want to forget. There's one more fight going on this weekend, and it's for my boys, the pronunciation heads. Because in Pasay <laughs> City, in the Philippines, oh, the Filipino go. flash, Nonito Donaire is fighting a comeback fight against William Prado of Brazil. It probably will be a total wipeout. If it's not, Nonito might need to retire. But the really I wanted to bring this up because, you know, we all talk about how people pronounce Pacquiao as Pacquiao here in the United States. I, even my Pacquiao didn't sound like the normal U.S. Pacquiao. There it is, Pacquiao. Um, it's Pacquiao. Well, Nonito Donaire, who for years was one was viewed as one of the top fighters in the world, uh, has fallen off a bit since then, uh, here, we call him Nonito Donaire, and that's just flat wrong. Nonito Donaire. And he accepts it because he's raised here in the States partly and, and you know, is, is sort of as American in, in approach as he is also Filipino. Uh, but if you go to the Philippines, you watch his, his news coverage there every time. Nonito Donaire. So good luck, Nonito, the Filipino Flash. Uh, I hope to see you win and come back strong and maybe, you know, make one last push at being a meaningful fighter at either 122 or 126 pounds. How gratuitous was that? You just wanted to showcase your, your uh, Filipino pronunciation abilities there. Angaling, pare. Angaling. <laughs> the Pinoy champ. Okay, moving on. Prediction time from this weekend. Rafe, let's start with you. Look, um, Gonzalez Russell. I'm going to pick Gary Russell Jr. there. I just believe he's more talented, fresher, younger. I don't think – I think he got outclassed but not uh, beaten to a, uh, a dangerous level against Lomachenko, and he should be able to uh, win over Gonzalez win – win a decision, unanimous decision over Gonzalez uh, with speed and accurate punching. 
I'm right on board with you. I, I feel the same way that Russell's just too skilled. I think the same thing is going to happen, by the way, in the co-main. Jermel Charlo versus Vanis Martirosa. And I know Vanis is going to bring it. He's going to try to step up the pace. He's going to try to force that into an action fight. But despite the lack of experience, I think Charlo's boxing ability is legit. And I think he's going to be able to move and dance his way to a clean 12-round unanimous decision. Yeah, you look at two previous fights that kind of suggest how this might go down. One, Jermel Charlo against Gabriel Rosado. I mean, Charlo beat Rosado as convincingly as almost any other opponent in the past four or five years, or three years probably, since uh, since Gennady Golovkin. I mean, it was a much different kind of beating, but those were the two guys who really put it on uh, on put it on Rosado. Uh, and yeah. and Marta Rosian, you know, might be a little fresher than Gabe Rosado, but he is uh, he's sort of similar in terms of a not particularly quick, uh, but still, you know, has skill, knows how to box, but not and just won't be able to keep up against a, a slick boxer. And the other fight that I was going to mention quickly is Marta Rosian against Demetrius Andrade, where he's facing sort of a guy who fights a lot like Jam- Jamel Charlo will fight, and he just could never get anything going. True. Um, I mean, the, the by the way, the Charlos get a lot of Twitter hate, but let me break news right here. These guys, I think, are for real. I'm just going to put that out there. All right. I, I mean, think they're for real. I, they haven't had the step up fights to prove it yet, but uh, definitely during that Gabe Rosado fight, I was more impressed than I expected to be. I think a lot of people were picking Rosado to win that fight because of how tough he's been against really, really elite competition in the past. Uh, and even after that, he fought well against uh, David Lemieux when he lost that one. Uh, and Charlo just wiped him out, so they could he could very well be for real. Um, so I'm also going to go unanimous decision for Charlo. The question then is, what is Martirosian's lion's only tattoo going to look like? Oh man, that's going to be awesome. I mean, you think he can hide that somewhere? Is there a spot he can get it? Can he get it on the bottom of his foot? Is well, that's somewhere? I mean, you know, Martirosian. If you look on on Facebook, he likes to show his tats off. He's got you know very suns out, yeah, tats out. All right, you when know. you you know when you're living in Southern California, that's how you live, right? That's how I live out here. <laughs> I mean, California does know how to party, right? All right, enough of that. Oh, um, come on. I was ready to go. I was right. going to go 10 bar, 12 bars. With you. <laughs> All right, so we're both uh, going to say Charlo, unanimous decision in that fight. Now, who are you picking in Brooke versus uh, Jojo Dan? Jojo Dan's a fun fighter, by the way. Let's not be lost on that. But I think Brooks just too good. You know, the, his jab is just is solid to keep a guy away. We saw that against Porter. I really think actually Brooks going to end up uh, end up stopping him late. I think this will be a nice comeback performance for Brooks to really make sort of a mini statement there. I would love to see Brooke do that. I have a weird feeling about this fight. I don't know why. Probably just because I haven't watched a lot of Jojo Dan. You know, like I queued up his, you know, his last fight. It was on the, one of the Showtime undercards last year. Watched a little bit of that and. I, you know, something rubs me the wrong way about Kelbrook getting stabbed last year, and he he may not have it all together. Uh, and if he, and and I just think some things are out of whack there. So I, without wow. a whole lot of justification, I'm just going to say that uh, Jojo Dan does enough to to win a decision over him. He's going to outwork him. And, whoa, uh, the, whoa. Are you serious? Why not, man? Who cares? Bro, no, I'm do not... the rock away and, and lean Boom. back for a second. Hey, uh, whatever, man. Look, I, I just this is not really a vote of confidence in Jojo Dan, but a but a but a vote of uh, you know I don't know the Inuit rebel Jojo Dan. Does this really <laughs> look? He's party it, at the igloo. He's the Romanian the assassin, not the Inuit whatever rebel. Come on, give me a, give him give him some credit. But for real, like Kel Brook, uh, you know I just don't trust where he's at in his career right now. He, I don't think I, something. Something makes me think he's 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 do he might slip. Uh, and like I said, it might just be that I haven't watched enough Jojo Dan to know that he will lose this fight for sure. However, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. So let's I'm gonna go into this one expecting a surprise. 
Wow. All right, that's going to do it for the ropes this week. Uh, I'm Rafe Bartholomew. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to my co-host, Brian Campbell, who just dropped so many brohams on me. I try, I came with one Brozacito Lopez joke, and oh, you dude. just, the avalanche just came tumbling all over me. I don't even know what hit me. Bro, Sean Marino, you missed the handoff. Come on, dude. You got to drop that in. I can't, I can't keep in. up. I, I thought one of one per week is what I was going with, my quota. Anyway, uh, Brian, a uh, pleasure as always. Thanks. Thank you. We want to give a huge thanks to our guests, Chris Algieri and Robert Garcia. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to thank uh, Joseph Fuentes and David Jacoby, our producers at the Grantland Network, everyone for listening. And remember, please uh, add us on Twitter to talk to us about the dang list. Uh, that's Brian, what's your Twitter handle? At B. Campbell ESPN. Very corporate. Mine is at Rafe Boogs, R-A-F-E-B-O-O-G-S, and make sure to hashtag Danglist, D-A-N-G-L-I-S-T, if you want to talk about which boxers are the best to follow on Instagram. Additionally, we want to let you all know that soon, I don't think it's going to be with this podcast, but our next one is going to have its own individual feed in the iTunes channel, so please find it and subscribe to it there if you're interested. And other than that, thank you very much for listening. Review, rate the podcast if you can. That's always nice, whatever. Uh, but thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon to talk more boxing, more Mayweather Pacquiao, and more upcoming fights, more avocados, more what, Brian? Uh, more bro culture. And we out. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.